In the early morning hours of the 8th of November 1988, the yacht Patanella radioed Sydney Maritime Radio Centre, advising that it was 10 nautical miles east of Botany Bay and apparently out of fuel, and that they may require assistance through Sydney Heads. Two more calls were made, but the most significant was the second call, approximately 57 minutes after the first, when the skipper requested weather information. The Patanella was never heard from again. Due to the disturbing nature of this content, viewer discretion is advised. If you like your stories full of intrigue, whodunit, and unexplained true horror, then you made it. True Horror Podcast is all that. Pull up your bed covers, turn off the light, and get ready to hear the bizarre, the mortifying, and supernatural tales where you decide if there's truth in what you hear. One of the South Pacific's greatest sea mysteries was the disappearance of the Patanella, a 19-metre steel schooner which vanished without a trace while approaching Sydney Harbour in November 1988. On New Year's Eve 2007, almost 20 years later, a ghostly message in a bottle was found on a beach in the Great Australian Bight. Patanella was one of the sturdiest yachts afloat and was famous for her Antarctic voyages and circumnavigations of the globe. She was considered by those who sailed her and by the man who built her to be virtually unsinkable. Instructed of steel with four watertight bulkheads, Patanella carried the latest safety and navigational equipment. During her three decades sailing the roughest seas in the world, Patanella did not falter. The voyage into oblivion began on the other side of the country on the 16th of October 1988. The elegant steel-hulled Patanella, 20 metres long and lavishly equipped, set out from Fremantle's Harbour for Airlie Beach in Queensland. Fitted with more than enough safety devices, radar, satellite navigation, watertight components, lifeboats and an electronic radio beacon in case of an emergency. The first leg of the journey ended at Esperance, where the owner of the Patanella, Alan Nicholl, disembarked, as he had business commitments back in Perth. Those that remained on board the yacht when it disappeared were the skipper Ken Jones, 52, his wife Noreen, 50, both from Perth, and crew members Michael Calvin, 21, and John Blissett, 23, both of Tyree, New South Wales. The latter pair had so admired the magnificent boat moored in the harbour that they approached Nicol to ask if they could work aboard her. Nicol hired them as crew for the voyage to the Whitsunday Islands. This would help to accumulate a generous block of sailing time that would count towards their navigation certificates. One other original crew member was Ken and Noreen's daughter, who also went as far as Esperance, but disembarked just like Nicol, the owner of the yacht, had. Both returned to Perth for business-related activities. It was considered suspicious and strange that these two left the boat right before its disappearance. 
At 12.57am on the 8th of November 1988, Keith McLennan, a radio operator with the Overseas Telecommunications Commission, OTC, received the first of what would be three radio messages from the Patanella. In a voice that seemed relaxed and calm, Ken Jones gave the schooner's call sign. Victor Mike Papa Tango. Victor Mike Papa Tango. And reported their position was 10 nautical miles east of Botany Bay. He then said, I believe we've run out of fuel. We've hoisted our sails and we're tacking out to the east. Tracking about 080. Our intention is to tack out for a couple of hours, then tack back in. We may need some assistance in the morning to get back into Sydney Harbour. The night was overcast with a light northeast wind and a moderate swell, which the schooner would easily have been able to ride. McLennan subsequently testified that Patanella's seemingly routine message set off no alarm bells. It was quite common for vessels to run out of fuel, and in calm weather like this, there appeared to be nothing to worry about. The schooner would have been within sight of the lights of Botany Bay. Ken Jones made his second call at 1.58am. This time he asked for a weather report explaining that with the strong winds he didn't want to be caught too far out before sailing into the harbour. He then requested directions to the coastal town of Maria. This was puzzling as Maria is located on the south coast of New South Wales, which was a few hours of sailing time away from where the Patanella was. McLennan told Jones that there was a strong wind in the area, but recalled that there was no sign of distress in Jones's voice. Then just after 2am, OTC picked up a third call from Jones. The skipper's voice faded and crackled. He could just be heard saying, 300 kilometers south, is it? South. His words were then drowned out in static. No further messages would be received. When Keith McLennan ended his shift at 3.40am, he mentioned the three calls to his relief operator. No one at this stage was concerned, as it was not unknown for skippers to radio that they would be entering Sydney Heads, only to change their minds and sail elsewhere, without advising the shore radio operators. No one expected that Jones would need to contact the Sydney OTC station again. Then there was nothing. Reports say Patanella and its crew disappeared on the calm November night within sight of the lights of Botany Bay. There was no Mayday call, no distress flares sighted, no debris and no bodies as evidence of her sinking. Around six months later on May 9th of 1989 off the coast of Terrigal, which is about 30 miles north of Sydney Harbour, a fisherman hauled in a barnacle covered life buoy. After scraping away at the barnacles, a name began to appear. Patanella Fremantle. After the discovery of the Patanella's life buoy, Investigators immediately had it examined by marine biologists. The results revealed that the boy could not have been in the water for more than four weeks, leaving a huge gap in the timeline from when the last radio transmission was received. Many believed that Patanella collided with another large vessel, but extensive investigations returned that this was not plausible. If the Patanella was where the skipper said they were when it disappeared. At the time, with nothing else to go on, Mr. Nicholl made several allegations to the Western Australian Police. He stated that the Patanella may have been stolen by the skipper of the vessel to evade business failures 
or that the vessel had been hijacked by unknown persons, possibly in the drug trade or by the crew. He went on to reveal that a few days after he disembarked the Patanella, he received a radio call from Ken claiming they needed money for fuel. They docked in Portland, which was just over 2,500 kilometers from where they dropped Nichols off in Esperance. Nichols then wired the money for fuel out to Ken. On November the 5th, crewmate Michael Calvin made a surprise radio call to his father who was back home in Taree. Michael simply said, G'day, Dad before the line suddenly fell silent. November 6th and 7th continued on like any other day at sea. Ken kept regularly radioing in his position as they trekked east across the Great Australian Bight towards Sydney. This brings us back up to November 8th of 1988, on that overcast night where a light breeze and moderate swell that blessed anyone in the harbour with great sailing conditions and no storms on the horizon. When Keith McLennan received the distress call from Jones that claimed he'd run out of fuel, to Nichols who had just wired money to them for fuel, it did not make sense. Alan Nichol in his recount of what happened believed that Jones had made a late decision to bypass Sydney and travel up the New South Wales coast to Airlie Beach. This didn't make sense though with the original distress call asking about Maruya which happens to be on the south coast of Sydney. However, as the days did pass, Nickel, along with relatives and friends of the four people aboard began to worry. Of particular concern was Jones's son, Peter, who had been unable to contact his father via ship-to-shore radio. By the 18th of November, the day on which the Patanella should have reached Ellie Beach, a full alert was sounded. The families wanted the Federal Sea Safety and Surveillance Unit to mount a major search for the schooner, but it was too late. After 10 days, the Patanella could have been anywhere. At least 100 aircraft would have been needed to scour 200,000 kilometres of coastline and ocean, and even then the rescuers could have not exactly known where the schooner was. The Patanella could have sailed straight out to sea, headed for another country, assuming that the schooner had not sunk. It would have been impossible to find the wreckage, as the water 10 miles from the coast is 140 metres deep, way too deep for divers or a ship with tracking equipment to find anything. The parents of the two young crewmen, Blissett and Calvin, talked to the media and two disturbing facts emerged. On the afternoon of the 5th of November, Michael Calvin, who had called his father, when he sent that brief message, G'day Dad, before the line went dead, seemed as though it might have been a plight for help or a rushed message to assure his family that he was safe, or worse even to give them a warning that not all was well aboard the Patanella. However, in a remarkable coincidence, Calvin had been employed as a set rigger on the Australian movie Dead Calm, which starred Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman. The film tells the story of a couple holidaying aboard a yacht in the Whitsunday Islands who are terrorised by a crazed stranger. Some scenes of the movie were shot at Ailie Beach, the destination of the Patanella, which made it seem even more likely to some that Calvin could be responsible for hijacking the Patanella. When Peter Jones was interviewed about his father's three calls on the night the Patanella disappeared, he believed that something sinister had happened to his parents and that his father was making the radio calls under duress. It's certainly my father's voice on the tape, but it doesn't seem to be his words. I don't think he'd ever say he believed that he had run out of fuel. 
He's too experienced to be so vague. I think his radio calls were veiled calls for help. Both Peter Jones and Alan Nicholl believe that the Patanella was not short of fuel. The fuel tanks were filled to capacity at the start of the voyage, while additional diesel had been added at stops along the way. A search was done in the area for where Ken Jones said he was calling, but no debris was found. Authorities checked all 48 vessels that were in the area in the early hours of the 8th of November and could find no damage on any of them, which suggests that the Patanella did not collide with another vessel. Even if the schooner did have a collision, the watertight components would have made it very difficult for the Patanella to sink if her hull had been holed. Police were sceptical about Ken Jones's three final messages. They speculated that the schooner may have been hundreds of kilometres away from Botany Bay when they were transmitted and that the messages were a ruse designed to confuse rescuers while the schooner's hijackers made their escape. Hundreds of sightings of yachts that look similar to the Patanella were reported all around the world. Australia, South America and Southeast Asia were among the few. Some of the theories regarding the Patanella's fate included a Russian submarine on a spying mission collided with the boat before fleeing the scene. Another was arms dealers, smugglers or drug dealers had seized control of the schooner and killed all aboard. They had then refitted and renamed the vessel and used it for their illegal activities far away from Australia. The other most prominent was the schooner had hit an uncharted reef or half-submerged container which had fallen from a freighter. It had then sunk, killing all on board. On New Year's Eve 2007, Cheryl Waderman, husband Gary and brother Doug had driven to a remote beach near Eucla at the West Australian-South Australian border for a swim. Ms. Waderman was taken aback when she found a rum bottle half buried upside down in the sand with a note inside. It was only after returning home to Esperance, nine hours by car, that the trio carefully removed the note. The note was written by John Blissett, 23, and one of the crew members. The note in the bottle sheds no light on what happened, rather it offers a sailing holiday to the lucky finder. In faded blue handwriting inside a Bacardi bottle, it was found on a secluded beach near Eucla on the southern coast of Western Australia by Esperance woman Cheryl Wademan. Which ironically is very weird because Esperance was where the owner of the boat, Nichols, disembarked with Ken and Noreen's daughter. The note read, Hi there, out here in the lonely Southern Ocean and thought we'd give away a free holiday on the Whitsunday Islands in North Queensland, Australia, John wrote. Our ship is travelling from Fremantle, Western Australia to Queensland to work as a charter vessel. The note invites the finder to call one of a pair of phone numbers to claim the prize. It gives Paternella's position as 34 degrees, 26 minutes, 20 seconds south, 129 degrees, 18 minutes, 54 seconds east in the Great Australian Bight. That's south of Eucla, raising the possibility that the bottle drifted ashore and has sat undiscovered since. John's mother Marge of Taree said she was stunned to receive a message from Miss Swaderman revealing the discovery. It was totally unexpected. It was, it was not going to solve the mystery, but it was a little piece of John we never had, she said. It showed what an enjoyable and interesting trip they were having. 
They were two young blokes having a good time and they wanted to give somebody else a good time to enjoy the experience of sailing on such a magnificent vessel. In an email to the Blissett family, Miss Waderman describes stumbling across the bottle while wandering along the beach. We had a great time as it was very isolated and we love beachcombing, fishing and collecting old bottles, she said. The bottle did not look very old, but I was still very excited and we decided to open it at home. We were all extremely upset after finding out the story and to know that these people were actually missing. What was also intriguing was that the young crew member Michael had written a letter to his twin sister while on board the Patanella. The following is an account of that letter. The yacht was surging across the Great Australian Bight under clear skies and a full moon with a good wind and a huge swell right up the bum, penned Michael Calvin in a letter to his twin sister Sue. It was October 26, 1988 when he wrote the letter with a feeling that life was one great adventure for both the 21-year-old from Tari and his mate John Blissett, the other crewman aboard the 20-metre luxury schooner. They had been 10 days at sea sailing out of Fremantle bound for the Whitsundays with their next port of call, Port Lincoln, where he would post his letter before a series of stops on the way to Airlie Beach where the pair had been promised use of the boat for a charter business. He wrote in the letter, Myself and John will then drive, fly or bus back to Tari for Chrissy, see the folks, maybe spend two weeks then make our way back to start up a charter business on board. Then came an intriguing postscript. We've just made a message in a bottle for a free holiday on board the Patanella. But Sue never saw her brother again. When we read the date, it blew us away, Mrs. Waderman recalled. They disappeared only a week or so after writing the message in a bottle. Over the years, there have been dozens of reported international sightings and rumours that John and Michael may have been involved in hijacking the boat an inquest in 1992 had returned an open finding. Authorities believed the most likely explanation was that the boat was struck and sunk by a freighter. The disappearance of the Patanella was a mystery in that the coroner concluded that the vessel had sunk, but what had caused it, he was unable to say. Even today, it is a conundrum yet unsolved, one that seems to defy a definitive answer. It is truly one of the greatest sea mysteries of all time. No wreckage of the vessel or the remains of crew members has ever been found. There have been inquiries into various allegations insinuating that the Patanella is afloat and involved in criminal activities, but still nothing has ever been able to substantiate that. What do you think happened to Patanella and its crew? If you like this story, you know what to do, that five-star review. Or you can swing by YouTube to comment and like. Now, if you want to get more personal and scare me with your tales of horrors, take a ride on the wild side and share them on my subreddit, True Horror Podcast. Until next time, remember that sometimes things you see in the shadows are more than just shadows.